Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Nick Kyrgios, and you're listening to the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast. Milos Raonic is into the quarterfinals after a great fight back against Richard Gasquet. Coach Ivan Lubicic wasn't surprised. I've never met any hard worker like him because his determination is just unmatched by any tennis player that I know and I know quite a bit of them. French Open champion Stan Wawrinka crashed out to an informed Kevin Anderson. I felt in the second I had a couple of opportunities but you know he had some really good serves and then in the tiebreak I feel like I was owning most of my points. I mean I served very well throughout, I, you know, I was aggressive from the baseline. And Andy Murray's doubles partner tells us how he ended up in a Hollywood movie. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then when I got there, they said, listen, you look a lot like our main character. Would you be interested in being a stunt double? So day three at the Aegon Championships today, and I'm in the Players' Lounge alongside Annabelle Croft, who works for Eurosport here, Annabelle. And... It's shaping up nicely, isn't it, this tournament? <laughs> it definitely is. I thought you were going to mention something about the Players' Lounge. Well, why don't you that, say something? That was shaping up nicely earlier because it was so packed in here. And I've now come down here for a cup of tea and it's completely deserted because, of course, it's near the end of the day. But I have to say it is one of the most amazing player lounges in the world, I reckon. I think all the players think it's probably the best one that they've been to. The food is quite out of this world. The is that why you've been here all day? <laughs> probably. I've been grazing my way through quite a lot of different types of food. But it is really healthy, really delicious, and there's a lot of choice of other than the fact that there is a big fridge full of ice cream in the corner. I have managed to avoid it at the moment but I might have to go and get one after we finished yeah well I'm, I think <laughs> why don't we just stop now I'm quite happy to stop now let's just go and have I the ice cream I know how much you've been grazing all day well I've been here oh, most of the afternoon <laughs> yeah I mean in fact the, the tennis podcast today here at the Aegon Championships has largely been recorded down in the player lounge and there's a good reason for that I, there absolutely is and actually normally you can see like lots of kids playing there's uh, table tennis in the corner we've got pool going on TV screens everywhere food everywhere it's normally a hive of activity but it is a little bit quieter in here now it is absolutely because it is getting in towards the evening the final match is underway at the moment as we record this alexander dolgopolov is 2-1 up in the first set against guillermo garcia lopez the day today annabelle has seen another big shock stan Vavrinka gone 
Yeah, it was a shock. And, um, you know, he didn't play badly at all, but he was up against somebody who was always going to be a danger and a threat. I mean, Kevin Anderson, the way he's been serving, he's been very aggressive. And I always look at Kevin, I think he's quite a sort of academic player, the way he approaches his tennis. He's a great thinker on court. He sort of maximizes everything he's got. I mean, he's so big, isn't he? I mean, he's, what, six foot eight, uses it to its full advantage to serve so well. And for somebody that tall, he really moves well as well. And... Um, you know, there was a couple of chances there for Stan. I think the crowd were with Stan. They were calling out constantly throughout the course of that match. There was a lot of distractions going on with uh, some of the fans, some of the over-exuberant fans out there. But it just wasn't to be. And I think that one opportunity he had where he missed that tie, uh, the forehand in the tie break, and, and that was it. You know, Kevin Anderson stamped on him. He's become really quite popular, hasn't he, Stan Wawrinka? You mentioned people calling out. He does seem to get people on his side when he's playing tennis matches. You know, he does. It's taken a long time to come. And I think uh, I'm not surprised, actually, because he has such a beautiful game. I mean, just in terms of its fluidity, the, the beauty of that backhand when it fires, it's like watching somebody pull a trigger and an arrow just firing across the court. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Um, and I think he's quite sort of um, good natured and good mannered on the court. I mean, I was very close to the action today and he was so polite to the ball kick. He's one of the, it's a rarity actually the way that he spoke to the, the ball kids. He was incredibly polite and um, he has become very popular. And I think he has lived the majority of his career in the shadow of obviously Roger Federer. And it was very interesting at the French Open when uh, I think he'd, after he'd won his quarterfinal match, he went into the press conference and the first question was to do with Roger. And he let that uh, press person know exactly what he thought about that because I think it, it was like, well, you know, now is my time. You know, I'm, I'm playing great tennis, I've been up in the top 10 in the world for quite some time now I think he feels like he deserves a little bit more respect and I think the popularity with all the fans and the type of brand of tennis that he brings it's so exciting so explosive I think you're right he is, he's very very popular could you imagine once he's had a, a week of rest now and a good bit of practice and just got his head right and got used to the grass could he be a contender for the Wimbledon title I would definitely put him in the mix, and you're certainly, it's not one to rule out, that is for sure. It's whether he can keep that consistency within his mind over the course of another, you know, seven matches in best of five sets, having just won the French Open and everything that that would have taken its toll on him emotionally, because there's no question that would have taken something out of him. But, you know, I, I felt here today when you watched him, he was playing uh, with a lot of freedom and a lot of sort of. Um, inner confidence and uh, when I interviewed him after that first round win he said he felt so free he said I feel so good on the court I just feel different having won my second Grand Slam and there's you know there's a, a real sort of inner steel of confidence now which I think it's been it's been given he's not just a one slam wonder anymore um, so I don't know it's going to be interesting at Wimbledon but yeah I think he'll be popular as you say I think the public will want to be seeing that backhand out in its full flight <laughs> on the centre court at Wimbledon and I I hope he goes far. Let's hear from him. It's tough to, to really see what I should change to when I play against him. I still think today was, was in general a good match. I tried everything I can. I think he was, he was playing really well. And uh, it's never easy to play him when he's playing like that, when he's serving big and really going for his shot. I don't think I did many big mistakes. I never really look about the statistic when I go into a match, you know. If not, you will never start to beat the top guys, Roger, Rafa, uh, Novak, after losing 10, 20 times against them. So it's better not to look too much at the statistic when you enter to, to, to a match. 
uh, most difficult, yes, because uh, you have less time on the grass court. That's it. But as I say also last year, I'm sure I still think that I can play my best tennis on grass. So he was beaten by Kevin Anderson, and Anderson has now defeated Leighton Hewitt from a pretty impossible-looking position a few days ago. He was a set down, he was match point down, came through that. He's now won another big one here. He might be a contender for this title, Kevin Anderson. I think so. I mean, I was listening to Pat Cash talking on our programme this morning about exactly that. And he said before the match today, he said it would not surprise me if Kevin Anderson was actually holding up the trophy at the end of this week. And with a serve like that, and when everything is firing and he's made some improvements and he's constantly looking to take the ball early, get on top of the ball, move forward, he volleys well. He does all the right things that you need to be doing. And I thought he was very honest in the interview after the match today saying, you know, yes, I got a little bit tight and a little bit nervous in the match today but I tried to control it and I tried to um, you know he said I wouldn't be human if I didn't feel that, that pressure but with experience you know that counted for a lot today and it was able to pull him over the line so um, I find his uh, approach mentally to, to matches very very interesting. Certainly is. I got a chance to speak to him earlier. You've had a good day haven't you? Yeah it's been a great day. I uh, started a bit interesting. I uh, bumped into uh, Jeremy Clarkson of all people. I've been a big fan of his for a number of years so that was uh, you know quite quite nice for me um, but then on to obviously the main part of the day was uh, was my match and it definitely feels great to get through it was a it was a very close match and coming on top of a very tough opponent definitely um, feels uh, feels good. I said you'd had a good day you've actually had a good week let's be honest uh, I have to say though a bit mean to beat the guy who uh, is never going to play here again in the first round. Yeah, I mean, you know, like he's played here so many times and obviously had so much success. So, uh, yeah, it was also a very close match, um, saving saving match points. But it just goes to show you how funny tennis is, really. Uh, you know, you can really switch on any single point. Um, you know, managed to scrape through there, played, I think, a you know, very good third set against Leighton. And then today, I think, it was, you know, very evenly matched throughout. It certainly was. Obviously, Stan Wawrinka is the informed player, isn't he? Coming in on the back of a Grand Slam tournament. How well did he look like he was playing on grass? Obviously, you played to a very high level, but what did you think of him on grass? I thought the match was, you know, a very high-quality uh, high match. I think we were both coming up with some really good shots. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot in it. I felt in the second I had a couple of opportunities, but, you know, he had some really good serves. Um, and then in the tiebreak, I feel like I was, you know, owning most of my points. I mean, I served very well throughout. I, you know, I was aggressive from the baseline. Um, you know, I definitely felt I went and uh, earned today's match. You mentioned that uh, you saw Jeremy Clarkson earlier today. It's, it's been a funny old day here at the Aegon Championships. Within 10 minutes of each other, the former host of Top Gear arrived. And then Liam Payne from One Direction was here as well. So... Yeah, the more watching your match. I guess, yeah. You know, as I was saying, it was uh, you know really nice to meet uh, Jeremy Clarkson. Just seen him so often. It's kind of strange when you see you know somebody so often over so many years. Um, and I'm being a big, pretty big car enthusiast myself. It was uh, it was nice to just chat to him a little bit, and uh, you know, hopefully maybe see him down the road somewhere. Are you a, a safe, slow, considered driver, or are you like one of your blooming serves, fast, yeah, well, dangerous? Um, you know, I guess the, the correct answer is I'm a very safe driver, but uh, no, definitely, um, you know, I've been a car enthusiast for a long time and, you know, definitely getting out of the track or opening the car up is, uh, you know, definitely have a bit of a wild side to me uh, in that regard. That's fantastic. Well, many congratulations you. on your run here and the best of luck in your next one. Great. Thanks so much.
So that's Kevin Anderson and Stan Vavrinka. Before that, we had Tanasi Kokonakis uh, being defeated by Gilles Simon. He's had a really turbulent week as Tanasi Kokonakis because a week ago he was here practicing and then his grandmother fell ill and he went back to Australia, wasn't able to take his wild card into qualifying that he'd been awarded by the tournament director Stephen Farrow here. And... Stephen decided then to give him a main draw wild card. He flew back here. He spent 30 hours in Australia, got back here on Sunday, managed to win his first match against Jeremy Chardy, Annabelle. That was an impressive performance considering the flight he'd taken, but I think he was just out of gas today. Yeah, I have to be honest, I thought he did look exhausted out there and I'm not surprised that that trip back to Australia took its toll on him. And again, I was quite, quite close to where he was getting his towel and there were a lot of looks across to his camp uh, for extra support, extra help. And he looked a little bit helpless out there on the court. Uh, and for the first time, and I've always watched him and thought, gosh, he's so mature. He's got such a great attitude, a great application to the tennis. And um, today it was the first time I, f I felt like he looked 19 out there. And I think the experience that Gilles Simon brought out onto the court really shone through. And, um, you know, I think it's going to take his time to try and uh, learn how to play on this surface because it's tough. You know, that serve was amazing of his today but you know there were a couple of times when he maybe didn't get the first serve in and the second serve was attacked uh and suddenly one or two points on a grass court and you get the break and, and the set's done so um that was pretty much what happened today come on annabelle who's going to come through this bottom half of the draw it's suddenly really open isn't it you've got milos ranich who had a win today against richard gasquet you've got kevin anderson you've got gilles simon it's a, it's anybody's guess it really is, because Raonic has definitely uh, starting to build his levels. In the first match back, and obviously he's coming back from surgery, he looked very cumbersome, I thought, in that first match in terms of movement, and he was honest about that. Um, and yet today, I think he, got, he went up a notch. I mean, if he keeps firing serves the way he is and getting to the net the way he is, he is going to be really tough to beat. And, uh, you know, I just heard him speaking, saying, uh, no, I'm not looking to replicate what I did at Wimbledon last year. I'm looking to go better. And that's the kind of attitude that he's got at the moment on the grass. But, you know, like I said, it could be Kevin Anderson. Yeah, I, I honestly, it could be, could be any of them, couldn't it? I mean, this draw is really opening up. Sure is. And the top half of the draw, very quickly, got Andy Murray, you've got Grigor Dimitrov. It's uh, a lot of the big names still up there. Do you think Murray's going to go all the way? I do, actually. I think that Murray is playing the best tennis that I have seen him play. I think, you know, when you consider all the wins he's had here... The Wimbledon win, the US Open, the Olympic win, I think his tennis right now is at a different level. I think it's more aggressive than then with the mix of the uh, variety, the slice backhand, the serve is better. I think the second serve is standing up even better than before, which was more attackable. I think, and how is he so much calmer? He's like a different person. I mean, even seeing him around behind the scenes, he seems more mature, he seems more at ease, married life seems to suit him. I think Andy Murray is in a very good place right now. It's been lovely talking to you, Annabelle. We, we had lunch too. together today, didn't we? We did. Are we going to have a meeting the same time tomorrow? We might do. We had an eventful <laughs> half an hour, didn't we, when we discovered, you and I together, that Liam Payne from One Direction had retweeted news 
of the podcast from last yes. night in which uh, <laughs> Liam Payne was a guest here on the tennis podcast. And suddenly, within about four minutes, we've got about 25,000 people listening to the show. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was possible. You know, normally when I do a tweet, it might get a few retweets. And if you're really, if you do something about Federer or Nadal, you'll get sort of a hundred and something retweets, possibly at a, on an amazing day. What were you getting? Something like 45,000 retweets and still going up. I, I didn't even think that was possible but it is you've um yeah it was quite amazing time it was a special moment that we shared there it was indeed and my phone has broken legends of queens john McEnroe was the most gifted of that generation quite easily i mean he could turn things on at will it seemed with absolute mastery of the ball he could make the ball talk Winner of 77 singles and 78 doubles titles, John McEnroe is recognisable all around the world. He arrived for the first time at the Queen's Club in 1978 with his red headband and ball of curly brown hair. He remains one of only seven men to have won the title four times. And I had a great run. I got into seven finals in a row there, so it was a great st stepping stone for uh, me to get ready for Wimbledon. But there were two sides to John McEnroe. I'm afraid John was his own worst enemy, really. He became known as a nasty guy on the court. And in fact, he was a wonderful tennis player. One of the best grass court players ever, do you think? Yes, I think he was. I think he was one of the best grass court players. John McEnroe, there'll never be another one like him. Now on the court today, Andy Murray was in doubles action. He didn't win, but he's had success in the past, particularly in the Davis Cup. So what is he like as a doubles player? We asked his partner, Dom Inglot. He doesn't go out there and, you know, kind of think that he knows it all. He's very humble as a, as a doubles player as well. You know, he wants to kind of share ideas and, you know, discuss how, you know, he can do things better, how I can do things better, how we can work together to do things better. Very supportive on the, on the court as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's really nice to be around. It doesn't put any pressure on you whatsoever. Um, and then even little things like after the, after the match, you know, we were able to sit down and, you know, I thought maybe he would just, you know, be done and, you know, thanks a lot and move on. But he wanted to sit down and debrief the match to see how, you know, he thought he performed, how I did, how we did. And even, you know, in the future, how we could be. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Playing better, and I don't even know when we will play again, but he wanted to kind of discuss that because he... He's very keen on, on, you know, bettering himself in any way, doubles and singles. Now, obviously, we've seen you on the tennis circuit for, for a number of years now. I remember when I first saw your name, I remember asking somebody, Dominic Inglot, who's that? And they told me a little bit about your history and the fact that you'd gone to college and that you'd come through that system. They also told me that you were a film star. Yeah. What was that all about? I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could say film star. I mean, you, <laughs> you maybe can say I was something somewhat in a film but that's, that's as far as I can really push it but yeah I have been accused of exaggerating before <laughs> well you know I'm, I'm thankful it makes me feel better about myself but uh, no I was uh, I was a stunt double for Paul Bettany in the Wimbledon film so uh, anybody who you know sees some ugly strokes those are mine so <laughs> how did that come about well actually uh, you know I was here at Queens uh, practicing with Peter Fleming one time and Pat Cash was walking by and he was the tennis uh, kind of coordinator on the film and he said listen they're looking for people for the background you know to make it look like there's a tournament going on when they're filming and I said yeah I'd be love to do that I'm massively into films and, uh, and movies and, and then when I got there they said listen you look a lot like our you know main character would you be interested in being a stunt double and I was like yeah sure I mean that sounds great I thought there was going to be four or five other guys who were going to have the same job and turns out it was just me so I had uh, the whole summer you know, doing all his uh, all his routines and you know making me look like him a bit more than I already do. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Is he any good? Um, <laughs> how do I put this nicely? No, 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 in, no. But in, in all seriousness, he was good for how much he had been playing. He said that he had not picked up a racket nine months ago. It was the first time he actually picked up the racket for the first time. So in nine months, the progress was in, was good. But in general, you know, someone who's playing only for nine months is never going to be the best. So you kind of did already win Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's it, that's it. But unfortunately, the crowds weren't shouting Dominic Inglot, they were shouting Peter Colt, so it's not quite the same. Who knows, maybe this year at Wimbledon, Dom Inglot's name might be on the trophy. Now, Milos Raonic is moving quietly through the bottom half of the draw. Over the last couple of years, he's become a major force in the game, reaching the Wimbledon semi-finals last year. He's coached by Ivan Lubacic, himself a world number three, but that's not the only common link between the two. Because alongside Lubacic, guiding the career of Raonic, is Ricardo Piatti, who spent 15 years at the side of Lubacic during the Croatian's career. I spoke to the pair of them and asked Ricardo about when he first met Ivan Lubacic. I saw him when he was younger, when he came from uh, Croatia. Uh, he came from a, a profugi camp, and, but there was in a club where I was working with Furlan, Camporese, Karate, this guy. And after uh, I met him uh, in Australia, and I invited him to come to Monte Carlo, and uh, he came and uh, we practiced together. And after, uh, we continued to stay from the, that time. What were your memories of that time, Ivan? Because... You know, you weren't exactly a teenage prodigy, were you? Somebody who broke through like Nadal as a, as a teenager. It, it took you a little while. No, I was. I had a decent junior career. Uh, I was uh, in 1996. I played junior Wimbledon final, 
uh, won uh, Eddie here, which was a grade one junior tournament. So uh, I had a solid junior career, but I struggled to break through after that. In 1997, when I was 18, I played a couple junior tournaments only, and I tried to play satellites. Back in the days, we didn't have futures. Uh, not much happened. I was 300 in the world, 98, same thing. And then 99, when I was 20, I actually started to break through. But still took me quite a bit to actually break into top uh, 20 and top 10, of course, uh, when I was 25. What were the stages as you remember them, Ricardo, with Ivan's career? Because, like I say, it didn't happen overnight. But what, what was the difference? When did it become apparent that this guy could uh, could be one of the top yeah. players in the world yeah for uh, first for me first my team uh, was Furlan uh, and uh, the goal that I had uh, with them uh, was a professional player and they came very quite good uh, Furlan 19 of karate 26 something when I saw him uh, I think in you know, this one he can be top 10 but really I was I was coaching but I, I don't know in which way to to coach one player coming top 10. That was uh, also, I think, uh, I had no experience that I had now to, uh, to help him uh, uh, when we start. So uh, we growing up together. The goal was top 10, and then uh, we decided, uh, okay, we need to go where the top players are. So not a challenger, just just a, a big tournament. And then uh, when immediately was in a draw, we tried to, okay, we find uh, not the good draw, but the best player in a draw to play because we need to understand what uh, uh, was um, uh, important for, for him to grow in. And in that time, even uh, he had not a lot of money also to invest uh, to physical trainer uh, to every uh, all of that and uh, I help him about that part so that's why we arrived late uh, and uh, sure in uh, his career was important also the fitness trainer that we had uh, was Salvatore Sosa Salvatore was uh, working uh, with top player like Correcha like Bruguera this guy and uh, that's I think uh, was uh, why even came not uh, quite immediately. Do you remember even a moment or a, or, a, or a match where perhaps you thought, actually, I, I can do this at the very top level? Was, or, or did you always know it was there and it was just a question of building? It was coming slowly. Uh, I started to feel, I mean, I, I won my first tournament in 2001 in uh, Lyon. But it almost came too early to me. I wasn't really mentally ready for the big stage, and then I struggled a few years. But then 2004 was the breakthrough year for me. Uh, as Ricardo just said, I started to work with uh, Salvador Sosa, who was, uh, who was somebody who already worked with the top players. And also his experience helped us uh, both quite a bit. And the Olympic Games in Athens were definitely the moment where where things started to happen big time. Uh, Mario and I won uh, Olympic medal there in doubles after winning incredible match uh, for that bronze medal against Bupati and Paes. And from there I realized I can really do something special. And uh, uh, since then, really my career wasn't the same anymore. I, in 2005 I had an incredible start. And, and from there on basically I was just growing, growing to reach number three in 2006 in May and, um, uh, and that was Olympic Games in Athens were definitely the, the breakthrough moment of my career. I was never satisfied with uh, being top 30, top 20. I mean, I always wanted to, to, be, to be the best I can. 
and I, my mentality or my way of thinking was always invest, not only financially, of course, financially as well, but also mentally engaged totally and try to be the best you can. And, and I did it basically until the end of my career, and that's one of the main reasons why I stopped. In the end, of course, I had few physical issues, but the main reason was that I just felt I couldn't co compete with the best. We now see you coaching Milos. Are there similarities between the two of you in terms of that that mentality because it seems to me that every time a year goes by he seems to improve to me he seems to he seems to be a real learner a worker he's extremely hard worker and he we from day one from first day we started to work together uh, and later when Ricardo joined us as well was we had one mantra and we still have it is to keep improving you know uh, I think it's wrong to, to talk numbers, results, this. As long as the player is improving, the result, results will come. And this was something that we keep working every day with Milos. We keep adding things to his uh, career and everything that can help him. And this is, uh, this is something that, that we consistently work on to, to, to improve him as a, as a player. Uh, I wouldn't say that we, we are similar. Uh, I think we, we do understand each other quite well. You know, this is definitely more accurate way to say. Uh, and it's important to, to understand each other and to discuss and, and uh, to be. And he is definitely very, very open to any kind of ways to improve. He's, I've never met any hard worker like him because the, the, his determination is just unmatched by any tennis player that I know. And I know quite a bit of them. So uh, sometimes it's almost too much. You know, sometimes we're struggling to actually rest him and then calm him down because he wants to practice. If, if, you, if you let him to do what he wants, he would play every day, all day until he's, he's collapsed. And then so uh, our problem is actually opposite from normal coaches problem is that we don't need to motivate him. We need to, you know, keep, keep, him, uh, keep him calm and keep his energies uh, that he's not wasting it. Just on the, the surface uh, element, mm -hmm. which one do you think he can have his best results on? Because I remember grass wasn't always your best friend, was it? No, no, no. I, I struggled on grass uh, other than my junior career. I have a grass court title, but it was, uh, it was basically my only tournament I can say that I that I felt comfortable uh, on uh, my tennis was was based mainly on on uh, trying to figure out the way to plays trying to figure out to use uh, spins rotations and then a grass you are very limited on that and I struggled with the return which is not a secret obviously and I also felt that my serve wasn't as uh, powerful and deadly as, as it was on other surfaces so many reasons but I think Milos can win on on any surface honestly I mean we I think he already showed uh, on grass he can definitely win uh, clay it was a surprise for many last year the, the way he played uh, it wasn't a surprise to us and of course, we expected big thing for this year, Roland Garros, which he didn't play, unfortunately, hard court. I wouldn't put limits to him, really, because he's uh, such a powerful game. He has that uh, any surface, it's, it's, he has to adapt a little bit, but uh, any surface he can, he can play well, which he already showed. Well, Raonic still has a chance to take the title here at the Aegon Championships after beating Richard Gasquet, who's today's candidate for our Moet Moment Challenge. Richard Gasquet, your Moet Moment 60-second challenge starts now. 
Who won the Avon Championships here at Queen's in 2014? Dimitrov. Correct. Who won it two years ago? Sidic. Andy Murray. How many Grand Slam titles has Andy Murray won? Two. Correct. Which former Wimbledon champion did Nick Kyrgios beat at Wimbledon last year? Nadal. Correct. When did Boris Becker win his first Wimbledon? 85. Correct. When you win your biggest title, what will you drink to celebrate? Moet, maybe? Correct. It's good to do, it's good to say that. How old was Leighton Hewitt when he won at Queen's for the first time? 20? 19. 19. How many times was Andy Roddick beaten in the Wimbledon final? Three. Correct. How many Queen's titles has Tim Henman won? One. None. None, yeah, yeah. Which two players who are playing at Queen's this week reached the Wimbledon semi-finals for the first time last year? Raonic and Dimitrov. Correct. Uh. Finally, what was the score in the fifth set when John Isner beat Nicholas Mahout in Wimbledon? Uh, 70-68. Correct. Yeah. Not so bad. No, Richard. Not too bad. Now, Catherine Whitaker has joined us here on the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast. And where are we right now? We are sitting courtside Catherine just a few feet away from the grass we could touch the grass if the great big inflatable bubble that covers the centre court grass from possible rain and dew overnight wasn't inflated at the moment but it is it is I would say quite dark outside here at the moment it's it's very nearly midnight here in London and another day has come to a conclusion here at the Queen's Club and Catherine Whitaker, we have another day to look forward to, and it is very murky out here, isn't it? I have to say, that's not the segue I thought you were going to go for. When you said when you came off the back of Richard Gasquet and said, no, that's not very bad, I thought you were going to say, speaking of people that aren't doing very badly in challenges, here's Catherine Whitaker. Because uh, without further ado, I think, never mind all this rubbish about the centre court, let's talk about my big comeback in challenge, Catherine. OK, what's happening then? Well, I believe I'm, uh, I mean, maybe I've, I've overbuilt it, but I believe I'm at least on level pegging with the listeners, which frankly has exceeded my expectations for the uh, almost midway point. So I think it's worth a mention. It's exceeded mine as well. Yeah, you were two points down just 24 hours ago. Now it's 10 points. All it's thrilling. Catherine against the listeners. Who knows what's going to happen next? Now, matches still to come on Thursday. It is Thursday tomorrow, isn't it? Thursday tomorrow, yeah. yeah. It, it just feels like Sunday. Yeah, it's long days here. Uh, although, we have to say, it's not really working for a living, is it? Let's be honest. Now, uh, we've got, first of all, Grigor Dimitrov, the defending champion, who rather got out of jail, didn't he, in the first round. He was really struggling there. He now faces Gilles Muller. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, crikey. Um... Well, it's another big server, which is a bit of a worry. Uh, Gilles Muller likes the grass. Grigor Dimitrov looked slightly unconvincing, but that could have just been because it's his first grass court match. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to go... F- oh, oh, am I going to get myself into trouble? Now's not, t- now's not the time to change my policy, so I'm going to go for Muller in three. Muller in three, says Catherine, and our listener, Dylan Blanchard, says Dimitrov in three. So there we go. Dimitrov in three is that prediction from Dylan Blanchard for number five. Now, uh, what's the matter? I've already got that very uneasy feeling in my stomach, and we've only done one prediction. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay, well, let's see how you get on with uh, Andy Murray against Fernando Verasco. That's a a repeat of their Wimbledon match, the year that Andy Murray won Wimbledon, and he was two sets to love down against Verasco. Eventually came back to win. What do you think? Uh, No such drama tomorrow. I think Murray in two. 
Well, that has been agreed with by our listeners here on the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast. Uh, we have John Isner against Feliciano Lopez. I would not want to be a line judge in that one. No, I like the look of that one. I'm going to try and catch a glimpse, if I can, of that match because uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. Isner really should have done better in, on grass in his career up to this point and just hasn't. It's, I mean, I, I shouldn't pick against Isner on grass because he really should win 90% of the grass court matches that he goes into, but somehow doesn't. Um, Feliciano Lopez, finalist last year. I'm going Isner. I do, I do. I'm going How many sets? Three sets. Three sets for Catherine. And we have from at Dylan Blanchard, number five, uh, Lopez in three. So we have lots of disagreement here. The final match of the day to talk about is going to be Marin Cilic against Viktor Trojicki. Catherine Whitaker, what have you got? I think I've got Viktor Trojicki, you know. I think uh, Cilic struggled yesterday. Trojicki a finalist in Stuttgart. I think the form book says Trojicki. And uh, though I sometimes do drastically disagree with the form book it's uh it's really i found it's really wise to do so so i'm going troitschke in three we have lots of disagreement here because chilich in three is the listener view it is 10 points all overnight it is so exciting as we well well one thing's for sure it's not going to be 10 points all tomorrow night is it there is one way or another there's someone's taking the lead here certainly is now the Aegon Championships Tennis Podcast is brought to you in association with The Telegraph we will be back with more on Thursday Hey Drew Scott here and I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance they can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.